Well, good morning and welcome to Warden on this long week, last long weekend of the summer on Labor Day. I hope you're doing well. If you're joining us online, just want to say hi to you as well. Before we be- go on, I'd just like to pause for a moment and let's pray. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you love us. God, we just recognize today our great need for you. And I just ask that uh, you would help us today as we look into your word to have open hearts to what you would have to say to us. God, I just thank you for Pastor Robert and Carolyn Norcross who are coming next week. I pray that as they come, they would just sense our love to them, that they would be encouraged by being here and being part of our church. Again, we lift up Gabby to you and her family. Continue to help them in their grief and their loss and help us as a church, God. I pray for the board as they are going through this uh, process, God. I pray that you would give them wisdom. Just We just recognize our need for you today and ask you would help us. And we just thank you that we know that you are with us and that you love us so much. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have you ever been in a fog where you couldn't see where you were going? It's all you could see is fog and more fog. Perhaps you've been driving along and suddenly there's, you just drive into this dense fog and it causes you to slow down or even stop because you can't see what's in front of you. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me a number of times. And it feels kind of strange and eerie even, doesn't it? Well, sometimes life can feel like you're living in a fog. You can't seem to see your hand in front of your face because the fog is so thick. You're asking God, where am I and where do I go from here? I can't seem to see my way out of this situation. Well, Moses, he found himself in that situation when God told him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. Moses knew he was called to do a certain task, but he didn't know how. He was living in the fog. Well, I'd like to read to you the conversation between God and Moses. It's found in Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 to 17. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, it's on the screen. You can follow along. Again, that's Exodus 33, 12 to 17. We can learn so much from this. It says, So Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how should it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. 
Now, Moses may have felt like he was living in the fog, not knowing how he was going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, but God gave him the assurance that he needed. God told him, you have found favor in my sight. You see, the solution to living in the fog is to know that you're living in the favor of God, F-O-G. Now, I know that's kind of cheesy, but I hope it will help you remember that the solution to living in the fog is to live in the favor of God. Today, I want to spend a few moments with you talking about the favor of God. Now, the favor of God is something we talk about and pray for as Christians, As a child, I remember my mom talking about the favor of God a lot. When anything good happened, she would say, oh, that was the Lord. Now, my dad, he tells this story of one stormy night. He and my mom were driving home from Gander. It was a dark night, and the roads are really dark in Newfoundland. And over the years, many people have been killed by moose. So he was being very cautious, but all of a sudden, a moose ran in front of the car. My dad tried to stop, and, but the car just slid. But all of a sudden, just before the car hit the moose, the moose turned and ran back in the woods. And my mom, with relief, said, Oh, that was the Lord. To which my dad said, Well, if that was the Lord, he looked an awful lot like a moose to me. <laughs> I love that story. (laughs) My mom was someone who lived in the favor of God. Moses lived in the favor of God. How about you? Do you want to live in the favor of God? I know I do. I want my children and my grandchildren to live in the favor of God. So lately I've been studying about the favor of God. I've been reading about it. I've been looking up scriptures about favor. And I'd like to just share with you four of my favorite scriptures about favor. The first one is Leviticus 26.9. It says, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful, increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. And then Psalm 512 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. And Psalm 8411 says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And then finally, Proverbs 835 says, For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. See, from these scriptures, we see that God promises favor to his children. God's favor is poured out on us in salvation when our sins are forgiven. And it's further displayed by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. His favor is a fact, but it's also something that we experience on a daily basis and we live in. The word favor is in the Bible over 70 times. Now that's right up there with grace and mercy. I don't think we can ever fully understand something as supernatural as favor, but I think it's important for us to know what it is so that we can find it and live in it. We need to know what it is that we're looking for. 
I saw that one of my friends posted on, fa- on their Facebook page, I am blessed and highly favored. And as I was reading that, I thought, okay, that's really nice. But what does that mean? Because I think sometimes we have a wrong understanding of the favor of God. We need to clear up any misunderstandings. So first, let's look at what it's not. God's favor doesn't mean a favor from God. Think about it. If you do me a favor, does that mean I have to pay you back? You know, we can't pay you back, God, so certainly that's not what it means. Or have you ever gone to the mall and prayed for a good parking spot? You get one and you say, oh, favor of God. But what about the day that you circle for 15 minutes and you have to park way at the back of the mall and walk 10 minutes in the rain? Does that mean that you don't have favor that day? I don't think so. Now, I was telling someone the other day about how I had this, got this great deal at Winners. I got a jacket that was regular $89 for $16. And the person said to me, oh, that was the favor of God. <laughs> and, you know, I am thankful that God does care about those little things in my life, like me getting a bargain on some clothes. But I think the favor of God is more than something like just getting stuff. We also need to understand that it's not us praying for our favorite sports team to win. God is not like a genie in a bottle that makes our wishes come true. Favor is not a series of fortunate events. Favor is not a formula. You can't produce it. You can't do this and that and then expect to find favor. It's not something that you can manipulate or earn if you pray or give or fast enough. Favor, it's like grace. It is a gift from God, and God can show favor on who he wants to show favor. So what does the favor of God actually look like? Well, I think the best way to see what it looks like is to look at some examples of characters in the Bible who found favor with God. Beginning in Genesis, we see that Noah found favor. He was asked by God to build a boat in a time and a place that had never seen rain. He worked hard and he endured great persecution, but in the end, he and his family were saved. Abraham found favor, and that meant him leaving everything that he knew and moving to a place he didn't even know where he was going. He was promised a son, and he had to wait a very, very long time for that promise. And then his faith was tested when he was asked by God to sacrifice his son. Abraham's life was not easy, but he was favored, and his descendants became a great nation. Joseph found favor, and he ended up in a pit and in prison. He faced difficulty, yet in the end, he was put in charge of Egypt and was able to save the lives of many people, including his brothers who had sold him into slavery. Nehemiah found favor to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but he faced major opposition. Job found favor, and he lost everything. His friends told him that he must have sinned, but the Bible tells us that God favored Job, and that's why he allowed him to go through the things that he did. Samuel found favor when he was just a little boy, and that shows us that you can find favor from a very young age. Gideon found favor to fight a battle. Ruth found favor, and she ended up married to Boaz. Maybe some of you needed to hear that this morning. 
Esther found favor, and she had to do a very difficult job of going before the king. That could have cost her her life, but because she did it, her whole nation was saved. And that tells us that your favor can spill out on others around you, and it can help them as well. Daniel found favor, and he ended up in captivity in Babylon, and he was also put in a lion's den. But God honored him and rescued him. Mary was not just favored, she was highly favored. That meant she was a young, unmarried, pregnant girl who would eventually have to watch her son die a cruel death on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. That favor led him to the cross. So what can we expect when we find favor? So from these examples we just looked at, we can come to the conclusion that having God's favor doesn't mean that we can expect an easy life. God's favor is not about our convenience and living life problem-free. In fact, it pretty much guarantees that we will have some trouble. Favor is not limited to circumstances or situations. And that's good news for someone because some of you here are going through very difficult circumstances right now. But what we also know is that when you have God's favor, you're going to be blessed beyond measure to fulfill his purpose in your life. And God is going to use you in a powerful way. Going back to the text. Like I said, there's no formula for finding favor, but we can have a better understanding of the favor of God from God's word. So I want to look again at this passage that we read about Moses more closely, because in it we see four aspects of what it means to live in the favor of God. The first one is that living in the favor of God is about God's purpose. The favor of God is not about our comfort. It's about God's purpose in our life. According to verse 12, Moses was called by God to lead the children of Israel out of bondage and into the promised land. That was Moses' special purpose, what God had called him to do. And one of my the favorite definitions or the best definitions I found of the favor of God is this. It says, the favor of God is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power to accomplish his special purpose in and through my life. I like that, and I'm going to say it again. The favor of God is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power to accomplish his special purpose in and through my life. So what is God calling you to do? Live a godly life in front of your family, your co-workers? Is he calling you to reach out to your neighbors? Is he calling you to serve in the church? Maybe he's calling you to work with the kids or in the sound room. I don't know the specifics of what God is calling you and asking you to do. But I do know our purpose as children of God is to become more like Jesus and to lead other people to Christ, whatever that looks like for you. Finding favor doesn't mean that it will get easier. It means that it might get harder. And because it's not for our convenience, it's for his purposes. Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life said, You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. 
He also said, other people are going to find healing in your wounds. Your greatest life messages and your most effective ministry will come out of your deepest hurts. You see, your greatest setback can be your greatest setup for the favor of God. We need to see beyond the natural and what's going on around us to God's purposes in our lives. We need to stop focusing on our circumstances. Begin to open our eyes to the opportunity. What looks very foggy to you now, when the fog lifts, you will see the purpose of God in it. So don't miss your opportunity for God to do something great through you. Living in the favor of God is about fulfilling his purpose in your life. Favor, it's also attached to obedience. We need to be obedient to what God is asking us to do. Think about it. Moses, he could have said no, but he said yes. So let's be like Moses and let our response to God always be yes. No matter how inadequate or how we might feel at the time, say yes to God. Another thing that stood out to me from this passage was in verse 13. Moses calls the Israelites your people. He, he says, consider too that this nation is your people. Now, I found that funny because when the girls were little and they did something wrong, I would say to John, do you know what your daughter did? <laughs> See, when they behave well, they were ours. We like to take the credit, but we don't like to take the blame. Uh, when I first started working at this church over 22 years ago, somebody gave me some great advice. I was really concerned and worried about if I could get people to volunteer in kids' ministry. And this wise person said to me, Connie, it's not your ministry. It's God's ministry. So when I would look for volunteers, I'd always say to God, God, this is your ministry. You need to take care of it. And I can tell you, he never failed. He always took care of it, still is taking care of it. So you need to remember that too, that your children are his children. Your ministry is his ministry. Your business is his. This church is his. And we just need to be obedient to what God is asking us to do, and he's going to take care of us. Now, you can be assured that God will give you the favor that you need for the season that you're in. No matter who is against you, no matter what's not working out, God has surrounded you with his favor to fulfill his purpose in your life. The second thing we see from this passage is that living in the favor of God is about God's presence. Going back to the text, verse 15 says, And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Moses here, he said to God, I won't go unless you go with me. I need the promise of your presence. He said to God, I can't do it without you. I need your power so that the people will know that you're with me and so that I can accomplish what you've called me to do. Someone said, because God is with you all the time, no place is closer to God than the place that where you are right now. And I believe that's true. But, you know, sometimes we don't feel like he's with us and we fail to recognize his presence. One reason for this is I think we get distracted. 
Do you remember those Where's Waldo books? You had this complicated picture filled with people that looked something like Waldo, and in the midst of that, you had to find the real one. Recognizing the real Waldo in the midst of the fakes and the distractions on the page was difficult. And I think at times in our lives, we can have a difficult time spying Jesus. In the midst of all the busyness and the distractions of life, Jesus can get lost. Well, all the time, he's right there with us, but we just don't recognize him because we're just too distracted. Sometimes pain and disappointment impairs our vision, and we can't seem to see Jesus. It's like our eyes have adjusted to the darkness of the pain surrounding us, and we can't see clearly. Maybe you put all your hope in God to answer some prayer for you. Maybe it was for a new job or for a spouse or to make the team or to make, get that promotion or for healing for yourself or a loved one. Or maybe it was for your spouse to accept Christ and to change. And now it's been a really long time and you haven't seen the result you wanted and you find yourself disillusioned and disappointed because you just didn't think God was supposed to work that way. You didn't think Think your life would turn out this way. And we can get so focused on the pain and the disappointment that we don't recognize Jesus anymore. I was reading something that John Ortberg said about the presence of God, and it really made me think. This is what he said. See, he said, the reality with God is that we are never speaking or acting in his absence. The psalmist said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. However, God allows us to sometimes feel as if we are away from him, which I think he does for a reason. Do you ever drive differently when you see a squad car behind you? Why? It's not because your heart has changed. It's not because you see the squad car and think, oh, I want to be a good driver. You just don't want to get a ticket. You don't want to see that little light flashing in your rearview mirror. You see, God doesn't want forced compliance. God is so immense that if he were too visible, people would give forced compliance without expressing their hearts. So God makes it possible in his enormous love for us to live as if he were not there. I thought, that's, that's really interesting, and I thought, that's good. Another reason we don't recognize his presence is because we drift away from God. In the final Narnia story, The Last Battle, C.S. Lewis tells us of Susan, who in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe witnessed the death and resurrection of Aslan. Looking back on her times in Narnia, she said, they were just funny games we used to play as children. Now that's so sad, but I think we can be like that too sometimes. We can come to a place where we don't recognize him anymore. We forget what we used to see and shrug off those early divine encounters when we first came to Christ as something that we must have made up when we were less mature. See, to live in the favor of God is to recognize God's presence and know that he is with us. So don't let distraction or pain or disappointment keep you from recognizing the presence of God in your life. Instead, posture yourself 
in the presence of God. Throughout the week, spend time with God in his presence. Come to church and get in his presence. I don't know about you, but I need God way too bad to skip out. We need to be aware of his presence with us at all times. Living in the favor of God is about God's presence. It's also about God's power. Verse 16 says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Moses said to God, I won't go. Go with me. I need your power so that people will know that you're with me so that I can accomplish what you want me to do. Now, we can't achieve favor. We just must receive it. That's how God's favor flows. You can't manipulate it. You can't force it. You can only respond to it because it's God's power. It's not mine. And that is such good news because... I know for me, I'm just so weak, so I need to depend on God's power. I read that one New Year's Day, in a tournament of roses parade, a beautiful float suddenly sputtered and quit. It was at a gas. The whole parade had to be held up until somebody could go and get a can of gas. The amusing thing was that the float represented the Standard Oil Company. With all of its vast oil resources, its truck was out of gas. And I thought, that's a powerful illustration of how we are sometimes. As Christians, we neglect our spiritual maintenance. And though we have favor, we find ourselves out of gas. Now, see, God's favor, it's about his power doing in us what we can't do for ourselves. When you live in the favor of God, you're going to be distinct from others. People will look at you and they'll say, wow, there's something different about him or her. You're going to stand out. Things will happen in your life that will wow others. And not because you're so amazing, but because of God's favor. You see, God can do more in a moment of favor than we can do for ourselves in a lifetime of labor. Living in the favor of God is about God's power. It's not our own. And that's good news. Living in the favor of God is also about seeing things from God's perspective. We need to see our circumstances and ourselves from God's perspective. We don't have to feel favor to find favor. You have his favor. God doesn't just love you. He likes you. Somebody said to me the other day, oh, I love that person, but I don't like them. They just get on my nerves. <laughs> and so many people think that that's the way that God looks at them. They believe God loves me because he has to, but they don't think he really likes me. But that's so not true. Max Licato wrote, there are many reasons God saves you to bring glory to himself, to appease his justice, to demonstrate his sovereignty. But one of the sweetest reasons God saves you is because he is fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you're the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whatever you want to talk, he will listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he chose your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem, 
Wow, face it, friend. He's crazy about you. (laughs) Look at verse 17 again. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. God knows your name. He loves you. When the favor of God is talked about in the Bible, many times it refers to the countenance of God, the way God looks on someone. So I want you to think of the favor of God as the expression on God's face when he sees you. Now, we all have this perception of how we believe God looks at us, how he views us. And you might think he has a frown or a stern look, that he's angry or indifferent. If that's what you think, I think you need to change your perception. John and I, we're very proud of our girls and our grandkids. And there are times when they do something, and we're just so proud of them. But John, he gets this look on his face. We call it the proud daddy look. He even gets it sometimes when I'm preaching. I love that look. His eyes crunch up kind of, and he gets they get a little watery. And I found this picture of that look. This is John on Leah's wedding day. Just look at his expression. <laughs> he just looks so proud. I like to think that that's how God looks at us. He has the proud daddy look. He loves you beyond measure. You know, you need to frame your world with favor. If God is for me, who can be against me? God is for me. And when he looks at you and me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And knowing that can really help us when the fog rolls in and we don't know what to do. I read that according to the Bureau of Standards in Washington, a dense fog covering six city blocks to a depth of 100 feet is composed of less than one glass of water. That amount of water is divided into 60 billion tiny droplets. Yet with those minute particles, when they settle over a city or over a countryside, it can almost blot out everything in its sight. So are you living in the fog today? Are you allowing a cup full of troubles to cloud your vision and dampen your spirit? Are you allowing anxiety and turmoil and defeat to strangle your thoughts? Is your life being choked by the cares of this world? I want to encourage you to not let the fog get you down. Instead, live in the favor of God. Because you have found favor with God. I'll conclude with this. A Sunday school teacher decided to have her young class memorize one of the most quoted passages in the Bible, Psalm 23. She gave the children a month to learn the chapter. Little Rick was excited about the task, but he couldn't remember the psalm. After much practice, he could barely get past the first line. On the day that the kids were scheduled to recite Psalm 23 in front of the congregation, Ricky was so nervous. When it was his turn, he stepped up in front of the microphone and he said proudly, The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. When you're living in the fog and you don't know which way to turn or what to do, remember, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I need to know. And if you are here today or you are listening online 
and the Lord is not your shepherd, I want you to know that he can be today. He loves you so much with an unconditional, uh, extraordinary love, and he wants to be in relationship with you. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. To receive him, that means that you take him as your personal savior. You believe that Jesus died for you, that he took the punishment for your sin, and you just need to ask him to forgive you and and invite him into your heart and to your life, and you can have a personal relationship with him. And then you, too, can start living in the favor of God. And if you make that decision, please let us know so that we can help you and journey with you and rejoice with you.